The prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi, led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, clone armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi! Welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode, Rex, Anakin, and the Bad Batch make a shocking discovery on Skako Minor. There will be... Anakin doesn't know what pregnancy is. Obi-Wan knows. Rex is trying to keep his shit together, and we find an old friend. We're talking about a distant echo this week. Now that I read this out ra- loud, it makes it sound like Obi-Wan knows about Anakin's pregnancy. <laughs> I didn't read this. Hi, Chris. Hi, Hope. Boy, you're I, so I, high energy. I'm just so tired right now. I'm joking. I know. <laughs> I actually, uh, I have a little bug to a uh, little stomach bug listeners, so getting ready for this, I was like, Chris, I'm so thing, and I was like, okay, energy, gotta have energy, energy, and I was like, here we go! So, um, I will tell you, listeners, I didn't get a chance to edit this today, because I had a hell of an adventure. You ready for this? <laughs> this was my adventure to get the, the new Thrawn book. So I got the new Thrawn book today, and it's uh, Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. And it should have been a 15-minute trip to the bookstore. Turned into a fucking three-hour tour. I'm surprised I didn't run into Gilligan and his island on this trip. But the whole thing was, uh, I I went to my bookstore, and I was walking around, I was looking for it. And I finally came up to the guy, and I was like, did you guys get this book in today? And they're like, we're sorry, like, all of our shipments got delayed. So, and I was like, okay. So I went outside, and I drove to the place, because there's two bookstores that are very you know, within a couple miles of each other, and I drove over there. And I was like, hey, do you guys have Thrawn Ascendancy? And they're like, we're sorry, all of our shipments are delayed. And I was like, oh. So I went out to the parking lot, and I started calling around, and I ended up having to drive, like, 30 minutes almost to Atlanta to get this Thrawn book. And all I have to say is I hate the Cheeto for fucking with USPS, which is probably as close as we'll ever get to political on the show. But he fucked up my day for three hours. Thanks, Cheeto. But I got yeah. Thrawn, and it's so great so far. Oh, good. <laughs> I like it so I far. Hope so. Jeez, yeah. it would suck if it was disappointing. Or I suck. know. <laughs> but what ended up happening is what should have been a 15-minute trip to the bookstore. I had to drive to fucking Atlanta today. So I ended up... Uh, this outline's going to be real rough, because this is probably the fastest I ever wrote a J-Guys and Jedi outline. Interesting. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Interesting. 
Well, sometimes, sometimes when you have the unedited ones, we get some real good ones in there. There's been some real good ones that have almost been keepers where it's like, I almost like that better. So, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, I I have one note that's about half a page long that is just stream of consciousness. And then when I looked back over it, I was like, I don't remember writing half of this. Excellent. Oh, well, that's that what was I like 20 to hear. minutes ago. So. That's what I like to hear. So, yeah, um, I apologize now. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> I like reading ahead sometimes, and if I see one of them, just waiting for you to come upon it to see if you'll just, like, correct it on the go or go, like, oh, my God, what did I write here? <laughs> Sometimes it's 50-50. Yeah, it's 50-50. But it's always <laughs> exciting to see what's going to happen. I But a lot of times I'm sitting there waiting going, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you ready to get into this one? I am ready. I'm ready to curl up in my Snuggie and, and read my Blue Has Bando for the rest of the night. I found my old Snuggie from college. I, I can't remember oh, if I said this God. on the show or on... Or on uh, Homics Chris Watch Cartoons. But uh, my mom got me a Snuggie when I was in college and I was doing some cleaning this past uh, last week and I found my old Snuggie and I washed it. And I'm just like, I look ridiculous, but I'm so warm right now. But uh, nobody shall see me. Well, it's so perfect because uh, my, my desk is right beside a vent. So, like, the rest of my room is a very pleasant... What What's my temperature? Uh, the rest of my room is a very pleasant 78, but right here beside my desk, it's like like 71. <laughs> so like the Snuggie has now become an essential podcasting tool, and I'm so happy it's, it's for it. It's funny. In the, in the winter, 71 degrees in the house, I'm sweating. Oh, yeah. That's – yeah, same here. Um, but when it's cold air – Yeah. And it's, like, it's not really the cold. It's the constant. Like it's just – yeah, blowing on was, me for an hour and a half. It, 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 yeah, no, it will. It's like a refrigerator. It'll just suck the heat. Well, it's blowing the heat right out of you. Yeah, I actually keep a notebook beside it because if I get too cold, I'll just throw the notebook on top of the vent while we're uh -huh. while we're recording. So, um, all right, you ready? I'm ready. <clears throat> Ooh, that was a gross wet burp. Oh, oh, here we go. <clears throat> <laughs> a Distant Echo is the 123rd episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. I'm actually having to catch myself from saying Star Wars Rebels. And I had that problem when we first started Rebels by not saying Clone Wars. I had to like mentally not say it just now. And Danny Filoni. I know, right? <laughs> All these Star Wars shows, why can't they just be called Clone Wars and Rebels? Just... Do it in it, chronological order. We're switching back and forth all the time. It's driving us insane. Can't you oh. see that, Filoni? We're going to get to, like, done with, like, you know, when we go back to the Bad Batch and stuff, like, having to go backwards again. Ugh, it's going to be a thing. It aired on February 28th, 2020, and it was written by Brent, uh, Brent Friedman, Matt Michnovitz, and Dave Filoni, and directed by Stuart Lee. Um, a note that I figured, found out when I was watching the Clone Wars download, the original episodes in the story re reels were Brent Friedman and Matt Michnovitz. Dave Filoni gets the writing credit from the Padme, uh, for, the, for the Padme scene. So, anyway, some extra information for you. 
This episode had the biggest change from the original story reels that premiered on StarWars.com. Originally, there was a scene, and this is a, it's a fun scene, so if you ever want to look up the story reels on YouTube, it's really funny. Um, originally, there was a scene where Anakin sees provocative artwork of Padme painted like a pinup model on the side of the Bad Batch's ships. And one of the Bad Batch members is like, yeah, that's our senator. And then Rex, uh, Anakin pretty much looks at Rex and he's just like, Rex, dude. And Rex is like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get someone to change it. That was the original scene. It was removed and re- replaced with the scene of Anakin and Padme ha- talking through the hollow call that we see in this episode. Uh, this you know, is- I've heard you describe that scene before that. In my mind, I thought it was actually in a Clone Wars episode and that I'd seen it. Mm-mm. No. Nope. Now, it, I do like that pinup art of Padme. I want it on my wall. <laughs> like, I would love to have, like, a photo of that on my wall. <laughs> so, I get it, Bad Badge. It's an awesome picture of her. Um, This scene was also added so Padme had one final appearance in the series. Padme is also in the early stages of pregnancy in this episode. And my God, bless whoever writes on StarWars.com because they actually wrote about Anakin. The oblivious Jedi doesn't seem to notice. Why would he? Why would (laughs) he even know how, how pregnancy worked? I'm sure he's seen a pregnant woman in his life before. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but maybe he just was like, oh, that poor woman's afflicted with gas or something. Who knows? Or that's I mean, just her. It, her... It, it is kind of subtle. Like, you have to, like, stare at Padme's uterus <laughs> to be like, yeah, I see the baby okay. But it's kind of just like, you know. But I, I just had to laugh because StarWars.com is like, in this scene, Padme is early pregnant, and the Jedi, the oblivious Jedi, doesn't seem to notice. And I was like, thank you for calling out Anakin for being a dumbass. <laughs> well, Jedi aren't supposed to be making babies, so maybe they don't teach him that in sex ed. So he was just like, oh, okay. Oh. My wife got fat. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he knew by now, but no, this is this no, is obviously before episode, episode three. three. Yeah, so... Uh, the Battle of, of Anaxis that we see in this arc is part of the Outer Rim Sieges, which is one of the final conflicts, uh, I'm sorry, which is one of the final campaigns in the Clone Wars, mentioned in Episode 3, Revenge of the Ship. It's Revenge of the Sith. Blech. Skako Minor is the home of the Techno Union and the Skakolin people. This is its first appearance in animation, but it actually first appeared in the Marvel comic book, Dr. Aphra Number 15. In the Clone Wars download for this episode, which, in my opinion, is not as cool as Rebels Recon, just saying, as someone that has to watch it every week, Dave Filoni discusses how they originally made the Bad Batch episodes. They were not making it for the final season of Clone Wars. Now that they are in the final season, they had to make changes to the story to help wrap up the series. Dave said, uh, in, in regards to to the, wow, I really just went 12 places on this one. Um, In regards to the Padme scene that he wrote for this episode, he said that she is such an important part of the prequel trilogy. He said it was George's job to tell Padme and Anakin's story, but Dave said it was his job to tell how other people related to those characters. And he also wanted to bring back Catherine Tabor, who had voiced Padme for the entire show. 
So he wrote the scene with Anakin and Padme so he can include her importance to the series and also to Anakin. And then D. Bradley Baker, bless him, came in laughing in this video. And he was like, poor Rex. Rex having to guard the door so Anakin could talk to Padme. And D. Bradley Baker just lost it. And he loves that scene because it's a position that his character isn't normally in. But Dean said it's also kind of sweet because it's, it's a special kind of insight into the friendship of Rex and Anakin. And then James Arnold Taylor, who is Obi-Wan's voice actor, said that they redid the Anakin, Padme, Rex, and Obi-Wan scene many times. Dave wanted to make sure that they got that scene just right to feel the tension of the moment. And then Dave Filoni said, Obi-Wan is not dumb. And it made me laugh. Dave said that Obi-Wan understands that Anakin is in love with Padme because he, Obi-Wan, was in love with Satine. More than that, Obi-Wan does, it's just that Obi-Wan doesn't know how far Anakin took things by marrying Padme. And then uh, they talked more about Echo and how it was emotional to bring back a clone that they thought had they had lost. And they wanted to go for a very horror movie feeling with the Echo reveal. Joel Aaron, who is one of the lighting designers, went on to say that they wanted to feel uh, different from any of the Imperial torture rooms, because usually Imperial torture rooms are either very dark or very white. Um, they wanted to have this cold, green, sick, twisted feeling to this place. And he specifically said they made this room feel like it was set up specifically for Echo. So. You know who's also cold, sick, twisted? <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Yoda? Mm, Yoda has a room all set up just for Yoda. Yes. It's called Yo a bedroom. <laughs> mm -mm. Or a bathroom? Mm, could be. A dual bed and bath? Why not both? <laughs> I just, i sorry, I just had an image of Yoda running a bed and breakfast. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> oh, Yoda runs a bed and bathroom. Mm. Gross. <laughs> Which would you rather have not? Bed, breakfast, or bathroom? Mm. I'd rather have breakfast. I like bed and breakfast. I, I've always been Oh, but if you have breakfast, then bathroom. Mm. But no breakfast. No bathroom. A quandary it is. Jedi riddle. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, Chris, I think he's crazy. <laughs> Which came first? Breakfast or the bathroom? Mm. The, the breakfast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No. Anyway, what's the platitudes? We have two platitudes mm. this week, because we're still in the Bad Batch arc. Mm. Mm. Old platitude first, because Yoda doesn't like old one as much. I do have to say, thanks, shout out to uh, Star Wars Explained, because the old platitude, I couldn't find it anywhere online except for their video. So, thanks, Star Wars Explained, for including that in your reviews. Thanks, guys. Anyway, go on, Yoda. The search for truth begins with belief in bed. Ooh, oh, wait, that's the new one, but yes. Oh, oh Yoda doesn't like that one as much. Hmm. <laughs> Yoda likes original this time. I like the original Wars, one, too. Wars are not won with superior weapons, but with superior strategy. In bed! Ah! Pew, pew, pew! Pew, pew! Yoda 
often uses the the classic pincer maneuver. Ah, pincer. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh, it was oh. really gross how he did that little pincer thing with his little 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 puppet hand things he's got there. Uh, uh, I, I know, I saw it in my brain. It's actually <laughs> funny, earlier today, Star Wars fans were trying to get hashtag sexy Yoda to trend on Twitter. I actually have no idea why, because I was busy slapping together this outline, but I saw it floating around, and I, I guess they want it as a way to try and bait out the Mandalorian trailer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but sexy Yoda was trending earlier on Twitter, Yoda, so good job. Oh, Yoda was on the internet. Yes. Mm. Yes, you were. Mm. Yoda was on OnlyFans. Mm. Oh, Yoda, Yoda has OnlyFans. Oh, I thought you said oldie fans. Oldie <laughs> fans. That's another one. Yes, Yoda's old enough to do that too. Mm. <laughs> oldie fans. Come see Yoda on OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. Trending you, he is. Trending are you, are you, all over. <laughs> are you saying only or oldie? Mm, both. On OnlyFans now, but thinking of going on oldie fans. Only oldie fans. Yoda takes all fans. Mm-hmm. As long as they are paying Yoda, yes. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Yoda's a cam girl. Apparently. You know what? Good for you. I you know hey, I'm I'm not gonna to I'm not gonna judge. Shit. I'm just not gonna watch. Yeah, support sex workers, man. They have to put up with enough shit. Anyway. Act one. I'm ready. So I the way I broke this up, it was kinda weird. I broke it up so the first part was Everything on the base. And then part two was everything up to, like, everything with the pole text. And then part three was them in the city. I found that was probably the, that was the easiest way for me to break it up. So. Because <laughs> these 25-minute episodes are not cut nicely. <laughs> you ready? Chris? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I was already muted, so I was here talking. I'm like, yeah, these episodes just sort of go however they want to go. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. All ready, right. ready. <clears throat> Act one. So a little bit of catch-up from last week. Hunkle Rex. That's genius. I brought it over. I brought it over. I brought it over. Me and Chris did this whole bit over on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons where we realized that instead of Grunkle Rex... When, he's when he in gets rebels. all wet, he's skunkle Rex. And when he dances, he's Funkle Rex. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if in Rebels, he's Grunkle Rex. Here, he's Hunkle when he, Rex. When he finds religion and goes to live alone on an, on an, in a mountaintop, he's Munkle Rex. I need to remember to send you that bit. <laughs> anyway, Hunkle Rex has teamed up with the Bad Batch, and he thinks that his old friend Echo is alive, who was supposed to have died several seasons ago, and he's alive! On to this week! Back at Ford and Axis, they're all waiting around for the approval of the Jedi Council to go on this mission. I thought I had a burp. It's fine. No, uh, no personality hunter. There it is. 
No personality hunter thinks the entire thing is a trap because it's a hell of a long shot that Echo is still alive. But Rex is trying really hard to keep his emotional shit together because there could be someone out there worth saving and he is ready to go now. But Anakin rolls up and he's like, But Rex, we have that, you know, wink, wink, wink thing to do. And Rex is like, Can't your thing wait? We have a prisoner of war to rescue. And Anakin is like, nope, my thing can't wait. And poor Hunter is just super confused. And he's like, okay, buddies, you do enjoy your uh, things. And he moseys away. Rex and Anakin scurry over to the barracks for Rex to keep watch outside. And Rex is the most awkward boy ever. And he would be a terrible wingman in a club, but he's the most precious wingman and he has no chill whatsoever. And inside, Anakin's thing is not a thing, but a person. And he's late for a call with Padme, who is clearly pregnant and is also wearing her episode three outfit. So I just have all the feelings. And Anakin's an idiot who apparently can't tell his wife is pregnant. Anakin, you're a sweet, stupid, precious boy. You stupid boy. I love you. Toast daddy. He's sorry because he's been away, but Padme understands. They're in a war and they both play really important roles. Meanwhile, during all this, No Chill Rex is just randomly saluting everybody and like waving and just doing the whole like, I am being natural, aren't I? And trying to act quote unquote casual. That is, until he sees Obi-Wan coming towards them. And Rex is like, Oh, fuck. So, Rex enacts the bro code, which is literally banging on the door. And inside, Anakin is like, Ugh, Obi-Wan, oh, Chris, can you give me an Obi an Anakin voice right here? Oh, Obi-Wan ruins everything. Thank you so much. <laughs> and Padme is like, no, there's something else bugging you, my boo. And Anakin explains that he's afraid that Rex is letting his personal feelings cloud his judgment on this mission. And blessed Padme crosses her arms, leans all the way back, and just stares at him, going, Wow, I wonder where he learned that from, Mr. Pie calling Mr. Kettle Black. But for real, sweetie, Honey, Rex has had your back for the last six seasons, and you've done some crazy-ass shit to him, like throw him off walls and stuff. Honey, I think it's time that you're there for him this time. And Anakin is like, yeah, I guess you're right. And then they say that they love each other, and it would be super-duper sweet if, you know, he wasn't force-choking her in, like, a month. Anyway, outside. Obi-Wan comes up to Rex, right? And he's all like, where's Anakin? And Rex is like, what's an Anakin? I wrote, what's a Anakin? <laughs> Luckily, Anakin comes outside just at that moment, and he saves his bro, and he's all like, let's go on a mission. But my dear, sweet, sass master Obi-Wan is like, I sure hope you gave Padme some kisses for me. And suddenly, Rex has the face that is the personification of the words, Oh shit. But even worse, Anakin looks back at Obi-Wan with so many mixed emotions. Maybe it's longing to be able to confide in his friend. Maybe it's a touch of confusion, a little bit of anger, but there's definitely pain there. 
and he walks away from Obi-Wan. To best sum it up, it's pretty much that scene from Friends where Monica and Chandler are like, they don't know that we know that they know that we know. And then Rex, Anakin, and the Bad Batch head out for the mission. What'd you think of Act 1? Pretty good. We got a color scheme running. What's the color Sickly scheme? yellow. <laughs> yeah, and that even comes back at the, like, you know, yeah, throughout the whole thing. There's the sandstorm, and then you get that, and, like, echoes. There's, a, there's a little bit of sickly green later on, but it's mostly just, like, sickly, sickly gross yellow. We call that baby poop yellow in the South. Yeah, yeah. Baby poop yellow. That's what it is. Um... Um, my only real shallow note is is I just love the first word we hear is conspiracy. God, I love Tom Kane. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this whole part is all about the scene of Anakin and Padme. That was really my only note on this. You know, like Rex and Anakin are like such good friends that they're keeping secrets, and which also like Anakin, of course, is good at keeping secrets by now and it's just a very what it's it's definitely a far better scene to replace the the other scene which would have been amusing but this this one like ties it in with episode 3 which this season pretty much is sort of like this parallel to episode 3 and this is the first real like it notches up as it goes along and like it sort of goes away from it a little bit as we get like you know the the clone adventure with with rex and then we'll have an adventure with ahsoka but they both sort of start out touching base on episode three and uh so this was this this did that and it also just spelled out a nice little scene between he and Obi-Wan that like sets up the scene in episode three where Obi-Wan goes to Padme, you know? And he's like, I know you're like, you guys, yeah. I know you're together. And she's like, we're married. And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh. <laughs> so, so yeah. I need it's... you like guys love each other, but oh God. <laughs> and yeah. it shows just how like up his own ass Anakin is at the same time. Because he's uh, he's on the edge of turning bad. Yeah, I that's my honestly this is my half a page stream of consciousness note. So I was gonna say, thinking, that's all I that's all I really got on this part. Um, you know, actually a lot of fans were really mad at the change. Um, like fans who had seen the original reels and stuff like that. Um, but and and you know neither of us have watched the original reels. Like I've seen that clip on YouTube. And it's it's a funny clip, but I, I do like this change as well because originally this wasn't made for the final season, so they had to make changes to kind of prepare everybody emotionally. Um, so I, I actually really like the change. Um, before I get into my stream of consciousness note, um, I just wanted to note something that I forgot to mention last episode that I, I really wanted to talk about. I think what makes this last season work so well is the fact that we as viewers know that episode three is looming on the horizon yeah. this entire season. And yeah. that's what makes it so great. Um, because you like, we, it, it puts in this like kind of tension of it's coming. Everything's coming. It's coming for us. And it makes everything hit so differently. Like when we, um, when Anakin was, Oh God, there's a very specific, 
Like, uh, the scene last week where it opens with Anakin and Rex, and, like, Rex isn't telling Anakin. Everything, like, we know Anakin's, like, what, like, a month and a half away from being Vader or something. Um, so, it just, everything is just so heightened. And it adds this drama to it that is, that you can't really, you can't yeah, it's like It's like a slide downhill that you can't stop, you know? That's what yeah. episode three was sort of like, but this one is even more so... Because now you know how episode three plays out. So it's just like the pull of fate is going on from beginning to end of this. And they don't, they, they just sort of, they, they not hint at it. They, they, they directly reference it. But like, it isn't until the last four episodes that where everything is just, you know. Colliding. Colliding and pulling it in to get it all in line with you know what's going on in episode three and it's it's amazing how they did that it was but yeah this is this is the part of this arc you know that has i mean the whole arc has that feeling lording over it and it's kind of a horrific story but you know like actual story wise narrative wise yeah that's this this scene with it with padme is is like the first the first little click into place of episode three it's like here's where we are in the time we're just before anakin tells padme or where padme tells anakin that she's pregnant in the movie i mean she's literally wearing her episode three outfit that she goes to mustafar in right right that's her mustafar dying outfit (laughs) so Um. there's yeah, so you know, and they just keep adding little, little, little points where you go like, "Oh, geez, I know what's going on here," you know. And, and then and the all the. I wanted to mention this last week, um, because I remember when I watched this for the first time, it made me question, like, "Is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen? Is this gonna happen?" So we had that little scene last week where Rex was hiding that secret from Anakin because he wasn't sure whether or not he should bring it up to the council, and like I remember thinking oh, is this going to break the trust between Rex and Anakin? And of course it doesn't, because, you know, we've seen the episode already. But it, it's that kind of storytelling that yeah. as I was going through this arc, like, any little thing could be, like, the it thing. Any Blow moment could be, something. like... Cause, and what it is, um, actually, Sky Talkers uh, called it the Anakin Skywalker goodbye tour. And at any point in time this season, it could be the last time we see Anakin, the last time we saw Rex, the last time we saw Ahsoka, the last time we saw Obi-Wan, the last time we saw Padme. But, like, really, like, this is the Anakin Skywalker goodbye tour. This is the last of his light days, and there's no turning back. And it's that's that's what made it work so well and made me just, like, question how every single little delivery was done and it's so good i agree i'm just gonna go straight through the stream of consciousness okay because <laughs> i honestly like i wrote half the note and then i just kept adding to it um i love the padme and anakin scene i'm really glad it's uh, added because this is actually my favorite scene of the entire bad batch arc I like this scene is what like really yeah. like is my favorite of the Bad Batch arc. Um, and then I wrote, um, Anakin pretty much forces Rex to guard the door with his dark side volunteering him to do it. Because Rex is like, we don't have time for this. And like, he just like stares intently at Rex. And Rex is like, okay. <laughs> he just volunteers Rex to go. Um, and then I wrote, Rex is so freaking awkward and I love it. Please stop me if you have any notes with this. 
Um, I like that there's confirmation that Anakin confided, confided in someone about him and Padme. It's hinted that Ahsoka figured it out when she was leaving the temple. But it also made me really sad that, uh, like, about how all of this is. Because Anakin t- can't tell Obi-Wan, who is the person he trusts most, who is his father figure. And it's very, even when it's very clear that Obi-Wan knows that something is up. And Anakin never outright told Ahsoka. And him telling Rex was was actually very telling to me as a viewer because he doesn't want to let anybody who has ties to the Jedi at all know because he does, he Anakin does not feel safe with the Jedi anymore. Yeah. And, and I mean, just practically Rex is the best person to know if you're going to have somebody to watch that you need to watch your back. Rex is the guy to have better than, Oh, you know, um, odds are pretty slim that wet blanket window is going to like, call rex in to be like what's up with anakin or something you know he's gonna call an obi-wan yeah and it's just and rex is extra trustworthy because they're battle buddies and rex is a clone so he's actually programmed to be trusty to the jedi although he shouldn't be programmed to keep secrets from other jedi either but like there you go that's kind of rex Anyway. But it's also telling then of Rex's journey because if to, if it was someone say like um oh what was his name from the Umbara arc Dogma the the one that was like yes Mr. Right. Pell um if he would have like if Dogma would have uh, found out like Dogma probably went str- would have went straight to the council and was like oh, oh yeah. this Jedi is breaking the rules <laughs> but I mean I think it's just so telling of how I don't want to say how untrusting Anakin is at this point of the Jedi. You know, he never told Ahsoka. Ahsoka figured it out. Um, Obi-Wan has figured it out, but Obi-Wan is like his closest friend and mentor and father figure. But he doesn't want to tell anybody who has any association with the Jedi. So he told Rex. And I think that's very telling of where Anakin is mentally and emotionally with the Jedi at this point in his life. Because he's just done. And we see that in the fourth episode when Trench is like, you won't murder me, you're a Jedi. And he's like, ha, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been watching Clone Wars. <laughs> nope. So, yeah. I, I There's so much in the fact that Rex is his secret keeper. Um, and there's just so many more layers there of where Anakin is emotionally. But I'm also really glad that he told somebody you know, that somebody knew. Which just makes me love just the idea of, like, one day in the future, old man Grunkle Rex is just going to sit down with Luke and Leia and just, like, tell them the story of his parents. Like, I want that scene. I need to write that fan fiction so bad. Anyway, in big letters I wrote, Oh, I love this Anakin and Padme scene. <laughs> big letters. Um, and I love that moment, like, the moment he sees her, he just relaxes, and she's so sweet. Um, the animation's kind of weird, though. I Like, Anakin's super detailed, while Padme is weirdly smooth, and she almost looks like she's season six animation, and I'm wondering if it's because they had to, like, quickly, they probably, this was a brand new scene compared to everything else, which was story reels that were updated. They were only using her for that one scene, so they might have pulled out a model from the old compu- from the old hard drive yeah. or something. And they can get away with that because it's a hologram, so it's and like... And it's a hologram, yes. <laughs> yeah, but I was looking at her because, like, he's super duper detailed, and she looks like she's in season six. <laughs> so, <laughs> I noticed that. Um... 
I love Padme in the scene too, and it shows why she's such an important character. She understands that the, there is a bigger picture happening around them, but she also understands the personal ones when it comes the personal story happening as well when it comes to Rex and Anakin. So like, you know, he's like, I'm so sorry I can't be with you. And she's like, dude, we're in a war. Um, but she's also the one that goes, you know, you need to focus on you and Rex right now. Like, that's what's important in this moment. You know, we'll focus on us later. Well, she's but, like, always she's always been the one who's been most comfortable with her career. You know, she's she's a career woman. She's just like, yeah, I'll have a Jedi husband, but I'm doing my job, you know. And <laughs> Anakin's the one who's just like, oh, geez, Padme, maybe we're not spending enough time together. And she's like, uh, you need to get off my notebook because I'm don't writing have, notes. Yeah, don't you have <laughs> some some dumb robots to kill? You mean sweet precious baby robots to kill? Yeah. Um, and and I like about the scene because it's it's clear that Anakin respects her counsel. Um, and probably at this point, uh, with hit because of his lack of faith in the Jedi Order. He probably trusts her opinion more than anybody else in the entire galaxy because he's just lost all faith in the Jedi up to this point. Like it's it's gone. Like he probably well, she's trusts- she's his wife, and also like their their whole relationship started with her as as basically an adult and him as a kid. Fourteen is not an adult. <laughs> no, I mean, well, yeah, they're but, four years apart. But. Okay, yeah, okay, she was supposed to be 14, but you had Natalie Portman, with her responsibilities and what she did in in episode one, Yeah. you know, must have been pretty impressive to a little kid, Anakin. Yeah. Even though he was a great pod racer, he was still a little doofus. And so, um... he probably, he's probably always, on some level, kind of idolizes her, you know? Yeah. I actually, um, I'm I'm halfway through Queen's Peril right now, which is the prequel to Anna, uh, Episode One book for Padme, and it's it's how Padme met all her handmaidens and like how they figured out the whole body double thing and stuff like that. And I really like that book because it's the first time I ever felt like Padme was actually a 14 year old, because they're having like all these like. Ooh, maybe we can get by the guards. Like, you know, if I if I dress as Sabe and Sabe dresses as me, like, let's see if we can trick the guards and stuff. Like, it's the first time I actually felt like Padme was fourteen. Um, so I, I have to like give props to E. K. Johnson because that was that really changed some of my like views of, and I, I'm still finishing it. So I, I'm pausing right now to read Thrawn, but I, I'm really enjoying reading Queen's Peril because uh, it's, it's doing a lot for the Padme character of Episode One. Like, from um, what I remember, Clone Wars and the movies, the, the prequel movies, for the most part, Padme and Anakin in Adventureland, until, you know, episode three when it all goes bad. But when they're in Adventureland, Anakin pretty much doesn't play the, like, protector of Padme. He's yeah. there to, he, he'll protect her, but he's, you know, they fight side by side. The only time that he's like that is in episode two when they first meet after all that time and Anakin's like, I'm going to show off, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'll protect you, my lady. Oh, my God, I'm in her bedroom. And I, I think it's the moment where they're in the arena and Anakin's like, we're here to rescue Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan's like, good job. And he's like, it looks like Padme's doing a good job. And Anakin turns like Padme's climbed up the thing. Yeah, right she's now. already she's already enacting her escape plan. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and they like, and they're just like, "Yep, we don't have to worry about her," you know. 
Yeah. As, I, I uh, any more than such, they have to worry about each other, you know? That's actually, like, a huge defining moment of their relationship where Anakin was like, all right, I'll step in if I need to, but you're pretty good on your own. Unlike Satine, where Satine's like, Obi-Wan, I literally will not fight, even though my life's in danger. And Obi-Wan's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, yes, it is his wife and probably his best friend, but I also think it's just still, so I think he still trusts Obi-Wan to a point, but I think after after everything that happened with Ahsoka's trial, with with Obi-Wan being on the council, yeah. even, even though Obi-Wan, and, and we'll, I will come back to this when we get to Siege of Mandalore, even though Obi-Wan was the one defending Ahsoka and trying to keep her in the thing, he was still on the council that kicked her out. Yeah. And and I think that is both a huge blow to Ahsoka's faith in Obi-Wan and Anakin's faith in Obi-Wan. And I think that was... It shows why Clone Wars was so important, because I think that was the kind of cutting tie of they both love Obi-Wan, they both admire him and respect him, but at the end of the day, he's going to side with the Council. Yeah. And I think that was the defining moment. Um, they love each other so much, but in three weeks, he's going to force choke her. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have no idea how much time passes between now and episode three, but... Um, but I just like to pretend it's a month. I, I, yeah, it's about three weeks to a month, I would bet. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, actually, I think it's probably a touch more. I think it's probably more like two, three months. I, I would say there's a season in there. I, I guess the weird thing is, is we don't know how much time passes between se- the end of season five with Ahsoka leaving and us seeing Ahsoka now. Like, I have no concept of time of how long episode six is. Yeah. Um, it's so weird because supposedly Ahsoka leaves like a few months before episode three, but then we get a book like dark disciple, which takes place six months over the course of six months and takes place after Ahsoka leaves. So like the time here is just so weird. Anyway, I wrote Rex, you precious boy. His entire scene with Obi-Wan is amazing. And the cherry on top, Obi-Wan pretty much confirms that he knows, but that look on Anakin's face. Okay. So, I remember the first time Anakin, uh, Obi-Wan said, I hope you told Padme hello for me. I, like, screamed. I was just like, ah, he knows! Ah! <laughs> and, but then that look that Anakin gives him is so heartbreaking because there's so many emotions in that look. Like, he looks, like, a little angry. He looks a little sad. He looks a little worried. Like, there's so much in that one face. And yeah, the fact he's a mess. He, <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it's, it's, it's Obi-Wan saying, best friend, I know. You can come to me. And Anakin looks at him to the person he's supposed to trust most and then turns away and walks away. And, like, there's... That moment, just essays could be written about that moment. <laughs> essays, Chris. They will essays. be. They will be. Um, so, like, that. that's just, that to me is probably the most powerful moment to me personally of the Bad Batch arc. That was the moment that just made me go, whoa. And I think so much of it is because I knew the story of this arc, you know, because I had read it. We had talked about it between we when we did our between Clone Wars Rebels and episodes, um, those episodes. I had read the summary, so I knew. So there was really no surprises in this arc except for the scene. This was the scene that was just like everything is new. Yeah. I don't know anything. 
Um, so it was, yeah, yeah, this, this was my favorite scene of these entire four episodes so far. This is probably my favorite scene up into Siege of Manalore, to be honest. Like, Siege of Manalore is a beast of its own, but for the eight episodes that came before it, this is my favorite scene of I think, episodes. yeah, I, I would have to agree with that, for sure. Yeah. It has the most, it carries the most meaning. And it's meaty, and it's weighty, and there's so much, and there's layers. I love it. But... Yeah. There, there you go. That's my stream of consciousness note of Act 1. Ah, you ready for Act 2? I'm ready. All right. <clears throat> Act 2. So the Bad Batch, Rex and Anakin, are coming up on Stacko Minor, and they're just having, like, the best time doing it. Wrecker is getting in a snack and getting a quick workout in with a gonk droid. And Anakin is looking over a Crosshair's rifle, and they're chatting about past missions, and it's a pretty chill pre-battle atmosphere. And Tech lets them know that they'll be landing soon, but it's going to be a rough landing. So they all strap in and ride it out. Outside in the storm, though, there's a mysterious flying creature with a person riding on top of it, and it follows their ships down. Rex and Tech inform everyone about the locals who are called Holtecs. And they worship flying reptiles. Reptiles. Blech, not rectile. Rextile. That's the lizard form of Rex. <laughs> that's worship- what Rex. That's what Rex has um, on the floor of his bathroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's perfect. Oh my god. They worship flying reptiles. And then right on cue, their ship gets attacked by a reptile. And everyone's like, ah! And they run outside. And the Bad Batch are like, what the fuck? Get off our ship, you bitch! Well, the Poltec didn't like being called a bitch very much. And so they use their big-ass flying lizard and they kidnap Anakin. And Rex is like, oh no, my friend! Come back! But no worries, everyone. The Bad Batch is here. It's a crosshair saunters up, takes out his gun, and he shoots cable and latches it onto the creature as it flies away with Anakin. And Hunter, who has no personality but knows how to look cool, takes the cable and sticks it on his belt, and whoosh, he flies up into the sky after them. And it's a cool little action sequence with Hunter dodging mountains and cliffs and rocks and stuff as they fly through the air. And Hunter drops just short of the Poltec village and he sends a signal for the others to catch up. Meanwhile, Anakin sees all the villagers, and they're all speaking in different languages, and he's all just like, oh, okay, well, I would try to charm all you guys, but your lizard is crushing my ribcage, so I'm not going to try and charm you guys. Please move your lizard. And the Bad Batch arrive, and they slide their way into the village, literally causing a mild rock slide to hide them coming in. And Rex reminds them not to kill anybody. But, you know, they shove massive boulders out of small cities. So who knows what happens. Once they have everyone surrounded, the leader of the Poltec says, with tech translating, that they don't want the war on their planet. And that's why they took Anakin. And they tell them that Wat Tambor, Wat Tambor and the Separatists are holding one of their men prisoners. Once they get their friend, they will leave the planet. And the chief agrees at least to help them get to the city, and after that, they're on their own. Well, during all this, over with the bad guys. Wat Tambor is getting a message from actual Spider-Man, Admiral Trench. And Trench is like, Wat, buddy, spider noises. I think you got some clones heading your way. 
And Wat Tambor is like, ha, that's cute. We're talking about the good guys here. They wouldn't dare to mess up their treaties and shit, since, you know, my union has neutrality. And Trench is like, uh, I don't think they care, because they have Anakin Skywalker with them, so they might not care about that, buddy. So just be ready, okay? Spider noises. Out. What did you think about it? That was pretty good. Um, I like there's some nice little touches, like, after they get attacked by the reptiles, there's still scratches on the windows mm-hmm. from their claws. Um, I like that there's a there's a scene where Rex grabs Anakin's lightsaber when he gets swooped up, sort of like Cody did in episode three. With, Cody with does that, too, uh, a couple times in the season as well. With, with Obi-Wan, yeah. I think this is where they reference our show. You know how the end of our show, I'll, I'll throw a little, uh, little um, stinger in way, way at the end of the thing to wake up Dario after he fell, falls asleep, and a lot of times yeah. it's talking about the alien leader Zoltec. Ah. Oh. <laughs> the Poltec are a reference to Zoltec. Um. Let's see. My only other notes is uh, uh, I I just like there's a scene with Rex and Anakin giving orders and they just both and like there's like Rex isn't deferring to Anakin and Anakin isn't deferring to Rex. They're both just like working in perfect harmony and like there's no real like you know one of they're they're both like equally in charge. It's kind of cool. that but that is yeah you're right yeah, um, rex is giving orders like when anakin's saying nothing rex is shouting out orders and it's like he's sort of anakin's outranks him and is standing right there but anakin and rex are just so used to working with each other that rex you know, i think that comes from the padme scene because padme flat out told anakin you need to trust rex and in his instincts and let him you know take the charge on this one so that's probably from padme but we as we see in act three Anakin will pull rank when he needs to. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in the heat of battle, they're just so used to doing it that he that he doesn't have an ego about it, you know. Yeah, Not which with is really Rex nice. Anyway. I mean, honestly, this is the Rex and Anakin bro episode. Yeah. Road trip. Um, um, my only other note is uh, I got a good laugh out of corporate neutrality, but there's a the the shot in coming in on Tambor. It's just this great moving camera with a tilt from above, and he's just sort of walking along his little, you know, evil in his evil antechamber. It's it's just a really gorgeously shot scene. Mm-hmm. But that's all I really got for this part. Um, most of my notes are little. I actually um, I, I liked a little shout out of the bullshit politics that Wa Tambor was. Like, I'm safe because our union has neutrality. And I I, kind of like that because that is actually a problem that we've seen throughout the entire show. But I I just like that we've reached the point of Anakin just being like, fuck your neutrality. (laughs) Um, Most of my notes are, like, really small. Like, when we open the scene and they're arriving at the planet and, you know, Wrecker's bench-pressing a gonk droid or whatever, there's a scene where... When it comes in, Anakin is looking at Crosshair's blaster, and that's such a weird scene to me because I can't recall Anakin ever holding a gun. Like I, I can't recall him ever holding a blaster at any point, and like he's like actually analyzing it and looking through its scope, and that was just like a, a an odd little shot to me. 
And I, and I kind of liked it because, you know, we don't see that with Jedi except for someone like Kanan. You know, Kanan was known as the cowboy Jedi. He constantly used the blaster and, and so did Ezra. Um, so I, I, I don't know why. I just It just kind of stood out to me. I like that little scene. Um, yeah, I never I never thought of that before, but I don't know. I, I cannot remember Anakin ever using a, a blaster. I mean, there's the famous scene where Obi-Wan, like, shoots Grievous, and he's just like, oh, so uncivilized. <laughs> yeah, well, he is Obi-Wan's student, so, like, yeah. you know, so maybe he picked it up from him, but, yeah. You'd think uh, Anna, Anakin wouldn't care. You'd think he'd like guns just as much. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, it seems like it should be a much bigger deal. That Hunter has no idea who the Bad Batch reports to, but it's dropped from this episode and we never come back to it. Um. Yeah, because Anakin even, uh, Rex asks, like, I know you guys work with Cody, but who do you report to? And Hunter goes, you know, I don't actually know. And then they arrive and they never come back to it for the rest of the series. And I was well, like, maybe. that feels like it's a big red flag for somebody. <laughs> somebody should have been like, uh, this is concerning. Like, you don't know who you're who you report to. Like, who gives you orders? Do you just like show up places? Like, you should at least know where you get your orders from. And I'm wondering if that's left vague for a reason. I'm wondering if that's something that they're gonna address in the Bad Batch series that's coming. Like, well, it might be something that they're not at liberty to say, and that's just an easy way to brush it off. I I don't believe that. I feel like that is such a big red flag. Like, it felt like Hunter pulled out the biggest red flag he could fly and just, like, started waving it back and forth. Like, that feels big. And what I'm, what, like, I, I have this kind of, like, idea of what I personally would like to see out of the Bad Batch series. I would love to actually see it open first episode with them in the empire like their switches flicked flipped they went through order 66 um and that they're working for the empire in the first episode and it ends with rex breaking their control and setting them free essentially um and i think it's like we could actually see them looking for who controls them you know looking for the people who gave them the orders because this that just felt so big like, why even address it if it's not important? Why even bring it up? I thought you know? they just did it as a tossed off joke of like, that's because that's a sort of they, they have a lot of like, well, we don't have any, you know, like it was just another opportunity to be like, who tells us what to do? I don't know. I don't I don't know because <laughs> we just do what we want. You know, I just thought it was just sort of like their attitude. You know, it was more of a. a than an allusion to who they actually worked for. And uh, that could be, because like that is the very premise of the Clone Wars. It's two to three years of the Republic spinning its wheels as Palpatine takes the wheels off the car. <laughs> right, right. Like, like that is, I mean, that could be as well. And I could be reading over it, but I don't know. Like When it comes to something like Dave Filoni, like, if something like that, if it wasn't going to be, he, he doesn't put stuff in there for no reason, you know? Well, sometimes as um, what's her name from uh, Rebels? <laughs> Ketsu. Ketsu. You know, well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I think they put stuff in there. Ketsu is there for Sabine to be a, a character for Sabine, though. Like there right, was Sabine right, development. But I mean, I mean, like Ketsu, Ketsu herself was not a developed character, but she was there to develop Sabine. So right, she actually still had a purpose, even though she wasn't a character. 
But I'm saying, though, she could have been a, a developed character, but they decided not to. But like they can they can throw things in there like that sort of get developed and stuff like that or sort of halfway you know, like AP five and stuff like that and and have it there in case they want to, you know, decide to use it or, you know, to have it. And so you could write that line for use further down the line. Yeah. And maybe never get to it, you know, or change yeah. your mind by the time you do get to where you're developing the new series. But it's always good to have things set up, you know, for further down the line. Yeah. And I could be reading into it. It actually could be just a throwaway line, like you said. But I don't know. It felt weird to me. It no, I, 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 I lean more towards you now. But when I I mean, when I was watching it, I didn't I, I just took it as a throwaway line. But I, yeah. I tend to think that you're more correct. If if we didn't have a Bad Batch series coming, I would take it more as a throwaway line. Um, but because honestly, I didn't realize it until I was listening to some other podcasts covering this. And then like two or three other podcasts noted this line. And I was like, huh, maybe that is an important thing. Because <laughs> I took it the same way. I, I didn't really think about it until I heard other people talking about it. And I was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. So... Anyway. Well, they could definitely work for Palpatine because they would definitely be the guys who send on messier, sketchier sort of missions. They'd probably ask less questions. Yeah, they 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 tend to be like, you know, we go places to have fun. You know, Wrecker clearly has fun doing what he does. But anyway, one of my favorite lines is, they worship flying reptiles. Katrina, oh, what's that? A reptile. <laughs> I just love text delivery of that's the reptile. There it is. That thing right there. A reptile. I love that one. Um, I love how the Poltex walk. They remind me of the old uh, big, like the grainy Bigfoot video yes. going through the woods. Yes. Yeah, they got that full like arms and legs and mm -hmm. hunching their shoulder thing going. Or they also remind me of like tall, like when you have like that that teenage kid that gets that insane growth spurt and they're just like super tall gangly awkward teenager walking or sort of they had a little bit of shaggy from scooby-doo in them oh my god they do they walk like shaggy oh my god <laughs> chris you have now officially ruined poltex for me <laughs> zoltex <laughs> We gotta go free Echo Scoob. <laughs> Record doesn't want to go up high. We'll give him a Scooby snack. Give him a Poltex snack. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a quick little moment, but when they arrive, when the Poltex arrive back at the village with Anakin, the leader of the Poltex um, gets off his his flying creature and then he like nuzzles its head for like half a second like he cups its little cheeks and he nuzzles his creature's head and then he goes deal with Anakin and that of little nuzzle head huh of course he does uh, yeah I, it's so cute I love that like it's such a quick little moment and they they actually animated him just being like good boy <laughs> and went on um, I love the shot of the Poltec leader try like looking inside Tech's visors as Tech's translating. It's it's just a really cute scene. Um, yeah, Tech is sort of, Tech Tech is sort of like basically a droid. He acts as a droid in this one. He does like the translate. He does all the stuff a droid would usually do in one of these episodes. That 
that R2 would usually do. To me, in this whole entire arc, Tech is the most important character of the Bad Batch. <laughs> he's the so one like that actually gets, he, like he's the, the one that gets all this shit done. Like everybody else is like covering the droids. for Tech. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Everybody everybody else is covering for Tech while Tech is actually the one like actually getting stuff done. He's and he's actually the one that's going along with Rex and his little Ugg boots. He still looks like he has he's wearing Ugg boots to me. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, to me, like, Tech is the most important member of the Bad Batch, for sure. Um, but finally, last but not least, this these episodes with the Poltex, it's not just this one, but, like, all the episodes with the Poltex, they remind me so much of the Lerman episodes, and or the Rio Chuchi episode, where they have to protect the towels in the snow and stuff like that in the Civil War. But this just screams Lerman to me, and I think that's why it just... Why something like the Padme and Anakin stuff stands out more because it felt like it felt like a really prettier version of Clone Wars stories we've already seen. Yes, 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 yes. I'll, <laughs> I'll get to that at the end when I'm summing up this episode. But yes, definitely. Especially when we get to like episode four, where the Poltex like choose to fight with them and they all fight the droids together. Like it just felt like a three episode Lerman story, and yeah. and the Lerman story was two episodes. So I mean, it's not you know this was the first Lerman episode, and then we get to episode four, and that's the yeah. Second well, episode. I mean, it's also but this one also had the the you know the Echo story to it too. So that's yeah. so I think that's like why these don't like score higher for me because it just feels like Clone Wars stories that we've already had. So, but that's, I, that's not a bad thing, you know? No, it's not bad. no, no, no. I uh, mean, it's coming back from a, a long hiatus. Yeah. Years and years, you know, I, I, I think this is like, it's, this is almost like a three part season to me. It's like two, two story arcs that sort of, harken back to the original clone wars and then a cinematic ending to it but like i think they i think they like pull that i mean it's intense all the way through and it's like super high quality but they they i think they tried really hard to to sort of make the first six episodes sort of um eight episodes eight episodes feel like um just you know part just like as if things were going on normal as if clone wars was just a run-in tv show and wasn't going to end it was leading up towards the end but like the feel of the stories are very like standard clone you know familiar clone wars stories which is part of why it was so good because i missed it for years and years so yeah I want some of the familiarity of it, but, you know, I I, I think they wanted to keep it like lower key in in the first part of it and then end with a big, big ending where it could, you know, just start busting everything open. I I half agree with you. Um, And the way the reason I half agree with you is yes that's what the bad batch feels like to me it feels like we're going back to old clone wars you know like we never left we never like, we just picked up where we got started i'll talk about this more when we get to the martez sister arc but to me the martez sister arc feels very rebels it feels very resistance it does not feel yes clone wars. It, yeah, they, yeah it feels like they're telling rebels 
either Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars Resistance stories. They do not feel like Clone War stories. No, which is, I agree uh, why, with you. Which is why, which is why, like, I feel like a lot of people didn't respond to those because those four episodes actually really stick out as Clone Wars episodes. But they make sense as Rebels episodes. They would make sense as Resistance episodes, but they don't right. fit the Clone Wars mold. Um, and that, then that's, and then we go into like the cinematic masterpiece that is each Mandalore. No, I can, yeah, <laughs> I can totally, I can totally agree with you like that. But they're almost kind of like, but they're almost kind of like four average episodes of Rebels. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a story arc for Ahsoka where she's her character is is moved forward but that sort of yeah. was always happening always happening in in clone wars and rebels so it wasn't unusual to have you know something happening that was important to ahsoka in an arc or a character but it was it, it was it was it was just like but um, both of those arcs just sort of felt like they were lifted from the middle of a series, you know. Yeah. They they they, they were they were put in the impe- the impending doom was always sort of going on, but you could forget about it for a while, and you were just watching like uh, a story where the characters were like, okay, you know, we have to do this and and this, and then then you would have minor, you know, thing, you know, we have to get out of this cell and stuff like that. And it was, you know, very much like, yeah, hey, we're watching watching a show. And yeah, to me, the differences um, between Clone Wars and and Rebels and Resistance is, and and Re- Rebels is kind of like the middle ground of this. Resistance is really Cl- Clone Wars is on one side of the spectrum. Resistance is the other side of the spectrum. Rebels is the middle ground. But to me, Clone Wars is plot driven character development. While resistance is character-driven plot, which are two different things, and that's what the Martezist arc felt like to me. This here with the Bad Batch is is plot-driven character development. The plot of Echo possibly being alive is driving Rex's character. But then we have something like the Martez arc where it's character-driven plot, where it's Ahsoka's journey meeting the Martez sisters is what pushes them to take these jobs, and and it's her development of yeah. leaving the Jedi, and that's well, the difference between the two arcs to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it just I think it just it marks the you know the evolution of the writers. You know, yeah. they've they've got that they that that to they they used a rebels like style because they were writing in that style, and I mean, that was sort of the that was sort of what the serves feels, that story better, I guess. You it know, it feels way more resistance to me. Like I could see Trace and Rafa being on the Colossus with Orca and Flix. Like they they I feel like well, they yeah. Would just yeah, right. yeah yeah yeah. I mean, it's like resistance where it has that 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 slice of life. Yeah. Or, you know, not even slice of life, but a slice of life on the lower side. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that's all I have for Act 2. Did you have anything else? Yeah, I'm ready for Act 3. All right. Act 3. Let's wrap the puppy up. It's time for the next phase of the mission. The Poltex scouts take Anakin and the clones right up to where Tambor City is in view, and then the locals peace on out of there. Tech stops everybody suddenly. He's not getting Echo's frequency anymore. Hunter still thinks that the entire thing is a trap, and he thinks that Echo is actually dead. And Rex takes the longest, slow breath of his life to not lose his cool, and he says that Echo has to be alive. 
and Crosshair, who is apparently the instigator of all fights, sasses out that Rex is getting his feelings on everyone, and they should just have left Echo for dead, since that's what Rex did, since Echo is just a regular clone. And Rex is officially out of fucks to give, and he punches Crosshair. Yeah! Rex! Uncle Rex punched off. Anakin breaks up the fight and sends off the Bad Batch ahead of them, because he wants to talk to Rex alone. And once the Bad Batch is gone, Anakin's like, Rex, dude, you're acting like me. What's going on here, buddy? And Rex says that he's watched so many of his brothers die, and he suddenly was changed hearing Rec uh, Echo's voice. He, If he can save just one of them, that gives him some kind of hope. And you know what? If he is wrong, then Rex will deal with the consequences. So they can continue ahead with their mission. And um, Anakin's like, okay, bro. They continue ahead with their mission and reach Watambor City. Tech has not only broken into the tower, but he's also picked up Echo Signal again. They hop on an elevator lift and ride it on up. And on the way, Anakin reminds them that this is a stealth mission. So no flashy stuff. But the doors open, and there's some cool-looking flying battle droids. And Wrecker is like, oh my god, yes! And he runs out there, and you know what? They had the best time with the rest of the Bad Batch, and they beat up on some droids. So, you know, fuck their stealth. But they're still having trouble finding Echo Signal, even inside. And they're sure it's somewhere on the floor they're on. And they split up and look for it. But as they're all looking around, Tech gets the signal once again, and they trace it back to the most obvious looking doors that's clearly different from the rest of the doors, so of course it has to be behind that. And while they're waiting for Anakin and Crosshair to join them, Wat Tambor calls up the clones, and he's like, Hey, what y'all doing in my city? My algorithm said that you would be here. And Rex looks at Tambor and he's like, if you call Echo an algorithm one more time, I swear to God, I will stab you myself. You have a prisoner of war here. And Wat Tambor is like, ah, me? Never. I'm neutral. Your friend is dead. And suddenly a shit ton of droids show up out of nowhere and Tambor is like, kill them all. And the Bad Batch is like, oh, shit ton of droids, huh? You clearly have never heard of us. Because we are the Bad Batch. And we're extra as hell. And in the most flashy way possible, the Bad Batch, with the arrival of Anakin, take out a shit ton of droids in like a minute and a half or something. And, but there are more droids coming. And in the most bro moment ever, Anakin tells Tech to get the door open for Rex. Bros for life! Ah. Tech and Rex get inside what looks to be a madman's Frankenstein place, and it's scary, guys. It's gross. Oh my god. And Tech realizes that they're actually looking at a stasis chamber, and there is, in fact, a life form inside of it. And they get the door open, and oh my god. Ugh. Out pops Echo. <laughs> and it's horrifying, because he lost some limbs when he's, you know, got blown up at the Citadel, and he's still connected to the computer, so his eyes are just, like, darting everywhere, like, do 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 Like, it's still transmitting signals. And it's horrible, guys. It's really bad. And I feel, uh, Echo. 
And Echo starts babbling about the Citadel as they bring him down to the floor. And Rex gets him out of that mindset and calms him down. And Echo's like, Rex, you came back for me. And Rex is like, don't worry, soldier. We're going to get you home. And then that's the end. Oh, my God. <sighs> what do you think of Rex 3? The end. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, my I, nose, uh, my nose will not stop itching. Stop itching, nose. Ugh. I liked how Rex goes through. And this is uh, they're getting so good with the facial expressions of where Echo's like, "You came back for me," and Rex, Rex is like, "Yes, I did." And you can tell he he sort of thinks he's like bullshitting him. You know, he feels bad that like, and then like you see Rex realize like, "No, wait, I did. <laughs> I did actually come back for him." And that was kind of cool. That was all just like, you know, going over his face. It was nicely done. Um, I like the Bad Batch a lot better in this episode. I like them with in better in concert with Anakin, I think. I think there's a good chemistry there. And I like them better with their helmets on instead of with their faces. Because... <laughs> I just because, don't like, you know, all this up here. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, their their faces, like, Hunter is kind of cheesy. He looks like an action, he looks like an 80s cartoon Rambo or something and stuff. But they're, they're all easily distinguishable because they're all differently shaped and their armor is so distinctive that with their helmets on, you don't have to worry about, you know, you can tell which one's which, so... You don't need to have their helmets off to tell them apart like a lot of clones. And, uh, yeah, I just thought they worked a lot better, like, in context with Anakin and Rex and with their helmets on. They were a little awkward in the last episode for me, if you guys remember. Um, and I like that uh, that Wrecker just sort of does a Leroy Jenkins in the door. I know. <laughs> yes, he really did. He totally Leroy, Leroy Jenkins it. Wrecker! Yeah. Leroy Wrecker! I just have to look up what Anakin's face. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, it's just like the rest yeah, of the guy. Yeah. What do you do? Oh, Leroy. What the fuck, Leroy? Actually, though, like, they all, like, are just like, oh, well, here we go. And I, li- I like the, pr- the pray. I call them praying mantis droids. <laughs> They're not quite praying mantis-like, but they do. They have that sort of bent-up bent up arms um and like when echo drops like but i I loved it i love them though i love the little flying droids because for one they're really cute but i love like because usually when you see a different kind of droid you're like oh it's gonna be super deadly and stuff but like the normal battle droid voice comes out of them so they get thrown off and they're like why and you find out, like, next episode, they can fly. So they're falling out of the sky going, why? And I'm like, what? just fly. <laughs> I'm like, but you're precious dumb battle droids, and I love you. Yeah, no, I think they're, they're, they're sub, like, battle droids. Like, they look kind of cool, but I don't think they're, like, up to par. Because they're just in some, they're, they're in corporate neutrality land. So they can still yeah. fight, but they're not. Ba- battle, even as battle seasoned as the normal stupid droids. Um, and, uh, lots of horror beats and, and it's funny because like this is in the other show that we're doing, it's starting to hit some hard horror beats. But when, 
when when they open up that 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 little cryo chamber and Echo like comes out hanging by his his cords, you know, in sickly green light, it, that's right out of a horror movie. That's a jump scare right out of a horror movie. I know, but I I'm glad because I almost felt like a, it was a jump scare too. But it he comes out so slow, so it's not quite no, you know, but yeah, but it's just sort of like a horror. It's it's almost like a prop from a haunted house or someone puts out at Halloween where you open the door like out comes gangly mutant echo. But that's all I really had for part three. Yeah, um... Chris, I apologize. I got a message in the middle of that, so I only heard, like, half your notes. It's okay, I didn't really say anything that important. No, I'm sorry, it was a biggest thing. I'm participating in a panel on Sunday, and they were like, are you for sure going to be doing this? I'm like, yes, I am. Please don't lose me. lose my spot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I heard, like, half your notes. I'm a bad podcaster. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm sorry, Chris. I'll remind. Me? I'll I'll bring up my stuff when you do your stuff. No, you can leave all this in. Hope is a bad podcaster. Everybody, I'm sorry. I am. I didn't want to lose my spot. Anyway, um, I'm going to be talking at DragonCon. <laughs> Hope is a multitasker that's starting a business, so I'm not, uh, you know, it's the way it goes. Chris is a super It's the life under- of a busy young executive. Chris is a really super understanding co-podcaster who is the absolute best and is super understanding. <laughs> and I adore him every single day. <laughs> and has the power of editor, so can do whatever he wants also in post, so... Yeah. I think I got most of your notes. Like I, I heard like horror stuff, droids, yeah. records. Yeah, no, that's about, that. That was about it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Praying mantis <laughs> droids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like that records. Leroy Jenkins. Fight. You got Leroy Jenkins. You were all over Leroy Jenkins. I did. The moment I heard it, I just flashed back to being in college because that, like, me and my friends would act yeah. out that scene in college, and we'd be like Leroy Jenkins. So. Um, I like that Rutgers scared of heights. I think that's a nice little thing. I forgot all about that. Yeah. It's really cute. And I love the moment where Anakin's like, I hope no one's scared of heights. And every moment, the person in the bad batch just turns and looks at Rutgers. And he's like, uh. <laughs> so I, I really, uh, I think that's a nice little character beat for him. Well, yeah, uh, no, they needed a bunch of those because it started making them all more likable. So. Yeah. And I like that the big guy is just like, no, I'm scared of Hank. <laughs> so, you know, though, I figured out something about Crosshair. Because last episode, they were like, Crosshair's the quiet one. He doesn't talk a lot. Crosshair has caused every fight in the last two episodes. Because he was the one that, like, after Cody was hurt, and Rex was like, all right, guys, here's the plan. And Crosshair was the one that was like, we don't have to listen to you, Reg. And then Jesse's like, excuse me? And he's like, you heard what I said, Jesse. And he caused the fight then. And then here, in this episode, he's like, I think you should have left your friend for dead because he's just a Reg. And I'm like, dude, Crosshair's the fighty one. They're, no, they're but that's, like, why they, that's why he doesn't talk much because he's better not to talk because he's just going to get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So I... 
when he does, I, I kind of like that being his character trait. Crosshair doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, he starts shit. He just starts shit. Yeah, he just stirs the <laughs> pot. Um, I'll come back to my big note in a second. There's a really eerie shot. So, you know, they all um, spread out to look for Echo. And, like, Anakin's in that really close quarters fight with the droids. And there's that shot of Crosshair taking out the last droid. And for a brief instant... You have a clone pointing a blaster at a Jedi. And it's almost like a lingering second. It, it felt much longer the first time I watched it. It went by a lot faster the second time. But the first time I watched that, I remember going, that's some creepy foreshadowing, knowing that Order 66 was coming, of having a clone pointing a blaster at a Jedi. Yeah. So... Um, I had mentioned the battle droids. Um, Echo's eyes. It's all in the eyes. When he comes out of there, like, yeah, it looks horrifying, but then you see his eyes, and they're, like, still connected, and you can see, like, they're just darting every which way. That, to me, is the most horrifying thing about that, is looking at Echo's eyes still connected to the computer, and they're just, it looks like they're just processing stuff. So, um, and then my last note before I go back to my big note. It's going to break Echo's heart when somebody tells him Fives is dead. That's actually a moment that I wish that happened in this arc. In this arc um, where he mentions Fives to Rex and Rex is like, oh, buddy. <laughs> and Echo having that moment where he realizes he is the last member of the Domino Squad. He is the last standing Domino, which would actually, I would like that to be like, because I could see him, like, you know, next episode be like, I can't wait to see Fives again. You know, we're going to just pick up where we left off. And that could be part of the decision of him, you know, spoilers, going with the Bad Batch in the last episode. Because he doesn't have anything from his old life anymore. He doesn't have his old people. And I, I, that was one thing I, I wished that they put in this arc was him finding out that Fives was gone and he is the last standing Domino of Domino Squad. But say love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my big note for this episode. I love this talk of Anakin pulling Rink on An- on Rex and like reprimanding him. Um, and I, and I like the setup too because it has that setup of Anakin's gonna chew out Rex. But the moment that Bad flees, they go into friend mode, which is really right. nice because he's not actually like he's not coming at Rex as a superior a superior officer. He's coming at Rex as a friend, and I think that goes again back to what Padme was telling him in act one but I, I like this conversation because this to me is the emotional setup of rex for the rest of the show um you know we we had the little bit of like last week and stuff too but now everything in this episode going forward is about rex being able to save one person and it's extra heightened because in about what 11 episodes he's about to lose so much and just having that hope of being able to save, like, that's such a Star Wars thing, like, the hope of being able to save even just one person. And that's that's what he puts everything on. And he's lost so much. And so it, that's why it's just such an important mission for him. Like, I have to save this person because I've already lost so much. And he's about to lose even more. And it's all really sort of for nothing. It's not for nothing, but I mean, yeah, it's... That's the that's the thing about this and like the the prequel trilogy is it it doesn't end well. Some people make it out alive, but it just doesn't end well, you know. So it's like, and I think that's 
there's like how I keep I was just thinking how I keep talking about how like the first two acts of this season are sort of like sort of business as usual, but it's like business as usual with always like the feeling that something has changed that you can't go back from, you know? Yeah. And everybody's having their own little moments of where they're like either going, you know, like mini versions of Anakin's arc, but they're not as broke. They're not broken like Anakin. So it's, it's a different kind of tragic for everybody, but it's just like this downward spiral of tragedy and fate, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Shakespearean really, I guess it's, I mean, just is that it's just classical tragedy, you know? And, and I will say like, I'm pretty sure this is me reading into it just a little bit too much. But to me, this is kind of like Rex's setup for Rebels as well, because we've seen that he's saved Rex, uh, he saved Wolf and Gregor, you know, he saved those two brothers, um, and it kind of feels like maybe like Echo is the first one of his mission going forward of being able to save other clones, which is part of the reason why I'm kind of so hung up on this idea of him in the Bad Batch series freeing the Bad Batch from their programming if they do turn. Um, because he got that from Fives. Fives was the one that was really his catalyst for his change. And then he saves his first clone here, Echo, and we know that he later saves Wolf and Gregor. So I kind of like this idea that Rex's mission going forward until he joins the Rebellion is saving his brothers. And that becomes his personal goal. And we know that he mentions about Cody, like Cody and the Empire and stuff like that too, so I, I'm, I'm touching a little bit on like fan fiction theory land, but I like that as an idea that Echo was the first and Wolf and Gregor were probably could have been the last and everybody else in between is his life in that time period. I like that idea. So mm-hmm. that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else for a distant Echo? No. You ready I to score not write anything in my final thoughts except for my score. Oh, fuck. It's, I it's okay. <laughs> I'll go first. I'm sure I can I'll win. go first while you compose your thoughts. Alright. I, I gave it a 9 out of 10. Because I liked it better than the last episode. Um, but even this this season, nine, 8.5 to 9 are like average episodes. Well, 9 is above average. Mm-hmm. But it's it hit a nine with me because of the scene with Anakin and Padme. Definitely. That was the, that was the meat. You're going to have to go on a scale of like one to 15, man. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, especially towards the end, you know, I mean, towards the end, it should just be a picture of heads exploding or something instead of a number. But, um, uh, yeah, that was the meat and potatoes of this episode that put it, uh, you know, a little higher than the last episode. Plus, I'm liking the liking the Bad Batch better in this episode. But, you know, the 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 story and the adventure were great. That I mean, visually, it was it was gorgeous. But nothing super striking. You know what I mean? Nothing that was like. I mean, some re- the really nice shot of Tambor with the with the tilt and pan camera and stuff like that. 
The sandstorm got me a little bit. I like that scene. Sandstorm of, was nice. Everything yeah. was nice, but it is variations of scenes, stuff we've seen before. You know, yeah. it was just prettier. Yeah, just prettier. The the animation is up, but it's you know it was sort of sort of like tactical battles and stuff, which hey, I'm enjoying it because I haven't seen a new Clone Wars in years, so very happy know, to see it. Do you want to know um, a cinematography note that I almost put in the background information, but I didn't? Hmm. So um, something that they did very different from this this uh, in this season that they didn't do before. Um, and it's something that they learned while doing Rebels and Resistance is they went back and they reshot this from the point of views of we are making a movie, not a TV show. So they did stuff like when they focus on somebody in the main in the front, they purposely blur the background to give it that more movie right. feel. Right. Um, and they didn't used to do that in Clone Wars. Everything was just sharp all the way back. Um, but that's something that they purposely changed. Um, after learning how to do that through Rebels and Resistance to make it feel more cinematic. So, like, you'll have scenes of, like, you know, Wrecker walking away from the explosion and saying, boom, and everything behind him is blurry, but he's in focus. And so they did that purposely. So they were actually changing the focus and blurring certain times to help yeah. keep the focus and tell the story in different Sim parts. Simulating a real camera. <laughs> yep. Simulating the mechanics of a camera to look like a movie. Yep. I guess I should have put that note in there. Because uh, like when I mean when when you're looking at a room, the whole room's in focus, and like you're looking at your friend, the rest of the room, it goes out. Of, it's it, in your mind. It goes out of. You're focusing on your friend, but the room doesn't physically go out of focus in your eyes. But that's the cinematic metaphor that that automatically means that. So yeah, it's it was totally subconscious with me. I didn't did not notice it. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a great episode. Um, yeah. Unlike Chris, unlike Chris, I'm giving myself room. I'm giving myself wiggle room. <laughs> unlike Chris, um, so my score is lower, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, I'm I'm with you. I actually like this. I last I had to actually look at my score last week, which was an eight. Um, and oh my god, I, you're gonna get a pure Rex Volution. I am, except pure, for uh, the Ahsoka arc. Unadulterated Rex Volution. Wow. Except for the Ahsoka arc, I am. Um, but I, I, I felt the same. Like To me, this felt like about the same of last week's episode, except for the Padme, Anakin, Obi-Wan scene. Like That is what just heightened this so yeah. much. And actually, I'm going to change my score <laughs> right here in front of you, because I meant to do this earlier. Um so to me, this was an 8.5 out of 10, because unlike Chris, I'm giving myself room for future episodes. Because <laughs> I'm just like, uh, when we get to the end, when, 10, 10. When we 10, sum 10. up this this season, I think we're going to have to take a slightly different approach, because it's almost like a whole different animal as far as, like, score-wise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's just it's a It's a whole different level. Yeah, and, and the stories are different, too. It goes back to what I was saying about the differences between character-driven plot and plot-driven character. Because um, I like the Martez sisters, but I like it for a completely different reason that has nothing to do with Clone Wars. I'm, 
I'm just figuring out the, <laughs> the mechanics in my mind of trying to figure out what were my top five episodes. How do you like do it's like are we counting the last four as what you know, there's just the a million really what ifs if we want best episode of the season. <laughs> I know my favorite. <laughs> Uh, the right, that's what that's what the best episode of the season to me. Yeah. So I know, but after that, after the Phantom Apprentice, it's like okay, so Phantom of the Apprentice, the rest of the Siege of Mandalore is just bunched in there, <laughs> and then like I have to hash out the previous eight episodes of like. Eh. Yeah. See. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're right, I feel like we, we might come up, by the time we're done, we might, by the time we're done and we're done talking about it, we might have come up with our, our a more, our, an organic way of, uh... You know, we could do something along the lines of, like, in each arc, what are our top three moments in the yeah, one moment yeah, we yeah. Like. I think That's, I think that's, that's what helps. I'm saying, we could break yeah. it down by arc or, or whatever, or we could break it down by arc and then do a whole show just on the last arc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like we could honestly talk well, for But But after. as we get closer to the end, we'll be able to figure it out. Maybe maybe we'll get some listener suggestions. Yeah. Hey, speaking of listeners. Hey, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, on the Teacher Freaks Facebook page. Um, this week, we had an iTunes review. Ah! Oh. Hey! Finally. Yeah, I mean, guys, I can't even begin to under, like, to explain. Here, here's, okay, I'm going to give you an example. Here's how important iTunes re- reviews are. So, we, of course, have our other show, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And I had asked a couple of our patrons for that show, so people like Patrick Delmore and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was like, hey, if you like the show, can you write a review? Um, that'd be really helpful. And I had three people write a review, and because three people wrote a review within a couple of days of each other, it shot me from not being on the chart to being 41 on the animation chart. And I stayed in the top 200 for, like, several weeks. And in those few weeks, I gained several more listeners. So writing iTunes reviews is actually really important, guys, because it really does help us. It helps because I was on that chart for a couple weeks. I ended up picking up several listeners because people could see me on the show and enjoy and be like, oh, look, what's this? And they found it. Um, so I can't even if you've never written us an iTunes review, consider it because it's super important. <laughs> Um, in the podcast analytics game, you can even just put a star and be like, "A, it's all an analytics game." Hey, like the fans just gave us a review. Yeah, though I have to say, um, I, I let me explain this to you. So our Twitter, we got an iTunes review, and then we got a, a Twitter slash Facebook because it was the exact same thing. And I don't know how you're gonna read those. I just summed it up because it was a video. <laughs> I don't know if you could put the audio of the video in here, Chris. If if it's on YouTube, I can. If it's on Facebook, yeah. then I don't know how to bleed it off. But it's I'll the see same video. Do. It's the same video. It's um, Force Ghost Kanan. So. Anyway, I'll yeah. let you take it. Do your thing. I also wanted... Okay, from Paul C. Kelly of Crate. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, the iTunes review is first. See it? Oh, oh. Is it, was it a Paul C. Kelly review? No, it's from Candace. I oh, came to our friend Candace from the Geeky Waffle. It okay. was our guest for the episode Jedi Knight. All right. So it says, this is an awesome, awesome podcast for Star Wars fans. That's right. 
so far it's checking out hope so far we love candace they really go deep in the episodes that that also checks out they have great insights as well as a sense of humor well that's subjective but but (laughs) but i'm gonna yeah no that uh, that's that's true i will say about thank you she was our guest for our rebels episode jedi knight um, since then, they have changed the name of their podcast, so they're not Geeky Girl Gab anymore. They are now the Geeky Waffle, so you can find them over there. So go check them out. They're doing a really um, fun city, uh, a really fun series called Straight Out, Straight to Home Video, where they're going through all the straight to Disney home videos, like all. And the it's ter- fun city, man. It is so much fun. I was actually on an episode that should be coming out soon. So. <sighs> I don't know how to... I just kind of summed it up. So, from Twitter and Facebook, we received an excellent video from Policy Kelly about Force Ghost Keenan giving his final advice to the Ghost Crew, and he even wished Callus and Zeb a good time, and he told Sabine to kick Moff Gideon's ass in The Mandalorian. Paul, it was a wonderful video! So, hopefully we'll figure out how to insert it. Even if, I could get, even if I get the sound in it, you get the sound on it, but you don't get the video, which is all, like... He's all ghost affected out and everything. And it's it's just Paul with like a Kanan action figure just talking. And it's hilarious and I but love it. But it's a glowing blue. <laughs> it's like inverted glowing blue. Yeah. Though I will note our listener Heather, because um, earlier today I reposted the video just to share it because I was like, oh yeah, this. And Heather wrote under it. Ooh yeah! <laughs> I almost yeah, wrote her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Heather. That was I almost wrote it, but I'm like, I'm gonna do it on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. It's so funny. So, Chris, my tummy hurts. Can we skip candy today? Let's skip the candy. I'm super nauseous. Thank you. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I feel fine, but then we'd be off one candy, so we'll keep it. We'll keep. Yeah, we'll take a week off the candy. Thank you. Hope Hope's tummy is all has a stomach bug. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you though, Dario, for always sending us candy. I'm sorry I have a stomach bug. <laughs> I I would be like, mmm, candy, <laughs> which would be podcast awesomeness, but like, yeah, we'll avoid it. I mean, I I it would I draw be a the great it would be a great moment. On- Great moment in podcasting, but then to be like have a stomach bug and sit there like cleaning your microphone off with a with Q tips and stuff would be <laughs> no fun. I'll happily burp and fart on this podcast, but I draw the line at puking. No puking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast where we keep all our podcasts, including this one. And you can sign up for any of their are any or all of the RSS feeds. You could sign up for one that gets everything from the show, which you can do if you're a crazy person, or you could sign up for individual shows. You could sign up for them on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook, where we have the Two True Freaks podcast, where we post up links to all of our shows, and the Two True Freaks Cantina, where we just post up all sorts of stuff and talk about stuff. And we are also on Twitter. And our Twitter feed is run by Gene Gene, the almost drowning machine. What? 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, all right. If any, uh, like by now, it's probably been out for a while, but HBO has a documentary called Class Action Water Park or something like that, or Cla- Class Action Park or something like that. And it's about a real water park where just people died. <laughs> Lots of people died. The people who built it didn't care about physics or safety regulations. And it was just like a Simpsons episode. There were, there were water slides with loop-de-loops, with impossible loop-de-loops and people getting friction burns. And Gene uh, Gene, the Boy Scout machine, used to go there every year with his Boy Scout troop. And I called him Gene Gene the head trauma machine because a lot of people died of head trauma there. And he said, no, he said no, it was actually the almost he'd almost drowned a few times there. I I was really, really, really trying to figure out where you were going with that story. Yeah, no, there's a real story. <laughs> little little Boy Scout Gene almost drowned in class action water park. I think it's gonna be the new uh the new um Oh, what the hell was that tiger show? What what the hell was that tiger show all the kids were watching? Tiger King? Uh, uh, tiger King. I think it's I think this is going to be the new Tiger King, the where people go like, did that place really exist? <laughs> and so far it sounds like Gene and I think Paul Spataro. It sounds like Paul Spataro might have been Actually, I think Gene was used to I it must have been around maybe it was around New Jersey cuz they were both New Jerseyites or well, Paul's near New Jersey, he's in Long Island. But yeah, they both survived. Hmm. I think it was called Action Park. And now and now it's called Class Action Park. <laughs> I'm gonna That's, have to look into this. This is new. Yeah, yeah. Just go, just go onto YouTube and go look up class action park trailer, and you'll you'll get all that you need. Hmm. But that's where they can find me. Where <laughs> I can just they find you. Go from there. <laughs> that's a hell of a segue. I was like, okay, I don't know how to go. Uh, you can find me at Action Water Park. Where can they find awesome. you, Hope? You can find me at Twitter at Hope Wallen. <laughs> you can find me in the bathroom puking. If I had eaten that that candy tonight, yeah. Um, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinet. Of course, I have my website geekygirlexperience.com where I write all sorts of reviews and stuff. Um, probably, hopefully, by the time this comes out, I'm currently reading my new Thrawn novel, so we'll see if there's a review up by the time this episode comes out. Uh, and we'll congratulations. Hope you got a little bit of love from an actual Star Wars writer. I did get some love from Not Jason letting you get Fry. away without mentioning that. I did. Uh, over the weekend, um, I was doing Remembering Resistance. Um, and a shout out to Sarah and Brad from Friends of the Force podcast, man. They really spearheaded that. Um, they really led that weekend. All I did was just like help them wrangle tweets. But they... they re- they posted a blog that I had written for their site, and Jason Fry, who has written several Star Wars books, was like, wow, this is really good. Um, and they're like, oh, you like Hope's writing? Here's her website. And Jason Fry apparently just deep dove into my website, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah, no, he you could tell he really went and did a lot of reading and took his time and said several just very nice i'm holding the star wars clone wars visual guide in my hand right now by jason fry 
Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> it's still a little over... I, I think that's part of the reason is just this weekend was very tiring for me. And because um, I did Rebel, Remembering Resistance on Saturday, and then I had Force Fest on Sunday on top of doing my normal reviews that I write on Sundays, too. And I actually wrote Chris... Uh, we normally record on Mondays, but right now we're recording on Tuesday. And I was like, Chris, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping your life is like this for the next few years, Hope. You know, um, so I guess I can announce this. So um, I'm about to be on Pink Milk Podcast for four episodes um, through October. Um, They're announcing it this Wednesday, so by the time this episode comes out, I can talk about this. So um, Pink Milk is Brian and Tom. They're two very lovely gay husbands talking about Star Wars from the point of view of gay husbands. Um, And they invited me to be on a panel for The Mandalorian. So I will be recording with them um, from mid-September to mid-October um, for episodes, looking at The Mandalorian um, from a queer point of view with a guest of other panelists. I actually don't know everybody on the panel. Um, I think I think Sisters with Sabres is on there, um, but I'm not positive, so don't quote me on that one. But it sounds like a really fun time, um, so I'm going to be exhausted for the next like eight weeks Three and then years. of course we're gonna have two guests on our show in the next like five weeks <laughs> yeah um we'll see um i also recently did a video about for for blast door blaster doors um postcards from the galaxy i think is what they're called. hold on i want to get this name right I've been a busy bee, guys, and I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm taking the rest of this week off, to be perfectly honest with you. My birthday's on Friday. I'm taking the rest of this week off. Happy birthday. Thank you. It'll be three weeks afterwards. Um, this is part of uh, Beyond the Blast Doors Network. Um, I did a video for Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge, and it was um, the times that Star Wars spoke to me through love, and I was with a bunch of other queer people talking about when, uh, when Star Wars spoke to them as gay people. Um, or queer people, I should say, because not everybody was fully gay. Um, and it actually was really interesting that Ahsoka came up in almost every story. Um, and it wasn't the fact that, you know, you know, Ahsoka's not canonically queer, but it was her choices of being able to, like, walk away from toxic situations. So somebody was talking about how they were, like, raised in a very southern and doctrinized household and how he had to walk away just like Ahsoka walked away. And it was very interesting, and I was really proud to be part of that. Um... So that's on YouTube. <laughs> I will be actually writing it up tomorrow um, for Geeky Girl Experience. So if you're listening to this, I have written by now on Geeky Girl Experience uh, up, roundup. Uh, of, yeah, and my Force Fest panel should be up by now too. So I've been a busy bee, and I will be a busy bee going forward. And honestly, I might just take October off. <laughs> so follow me on Patreon here. I chose this life, Chris. Yep. That's hmm. how it's gonna. If you, yeah, you gotta, yeah. You know, I, I sound awesome. like I'm complaining, but I, I really love it. I've, yeah. This is the most I've loved my job ever in my life. Um, so I think the thing is with these, I'm still trying to figure out like the work-life balance, and I think that's where it's getting me. And I did not plan uh, for stomach bugs, and now I'm just like, oh god, I don't well, have. Well, luckily, also it's during a pandemic, so like work and life can just sort of glob into as much of one as possible because you're just operating out of your house anyway no matter what you're doing yeah 
Um, so. so I just, uh, the only thing is, is I didn't, I haven't figured out how to be sick like this because I felt like hell all day, <laughs> but I had to work. So, uh, we'll figure it out. Thank you for supporting me, guys. I honestly can't do this without all of you. So, thank you, Chris, for always being super patient with me and answering messages in the middle of a podcast. But I didn't want to lose my spot for a panel on Sunday. Thank you, Chris. It's okay. Yeah, You're welcome. You're such a good friend. You guys honestly don't know like how much Chris helps me and keeps me sane and is just so supportive and he's the best co-podcaster in the world. <laughs> What the Thank fuck you. does that sound? <laughs> I just thought I'd make a really dumb noise. <laughs> You're like, oh god, we're gonna... Anyway, we should probably end the episode. So guys, next week we're gonna be talking on the wings of Kiradax, which is actually my least favorite episode of this arc, though. So. Oh, there you go. Spoiler! Yeah, it's not a bad episode, it's just, you know, it's the least meatiest of the four. It's just like a 22-minute fight, which is not a bad thing. It's just not very meaty. Excellent. So. Well, you know me. I'm down for a 20-minute fight, so... I know, so... All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.